Welcome to episode 191. As we move through summer 2021, what are you noticing in ministry? Jesse and I offer five observations and what the implications might be. That's today on The Reclaimed Leader. Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey, everyone, welcome to the Reclaim Leader, equipping churches for turnaround change. I'm Jason Tucker here again with Jesse Skiffington. How's it going, Jesse? Jason, I am sweating. Quite literally sweating out here. If anybody's been watching the news, the Northwest, we just like we have trees and we have water and it's 70 degrees in the summertime and it's not right now. So in real time, I the last time I checked, it was 90 plus in my office and about 103 degrees outside. Um, so anyway, we're melting and but we'll be OK. I, you know, I hope so. I was today. I was actually alarmed watching the weather report on the national level when they were talking about. I mean, the weather guy is like, this is the worst heat wave I've seen in my entire career. Like, this is yeah. apocalyptic kind of yeah, heat it's, happening. It's, hot, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, churches were anybody that has a cool place, a cool building, you know, opening up for people to come and uh, get cooled off during the day. And, you know, a lot of nobody out here. I mean, I think something like a third or less of, of houses have air conditioning here and stuff. I mean, we're just not used to this. So, We're making our way. And of course, in a year of lots of crazy already, it just got people are like, really? What else? What else could we do? So anyway, um, but it's summertime and there's no mistaking it out here that it is summertime right now. And so we're talking today about some observations we've had about, I don't know, just the beginnings of summer and some of the things that we should be paying attention to and, and thinking about as leaders in the local church. And really, there, I think, are opportunities for us as churches to figure out what we're going to do going forward and some immediate things that we can take steps towards and then some longer range thinking or um, just things that we need to keep in mind. Uh, so we're going to dive into that today. But before we get into that, just want to touch on where we're going from here with the podcast for the next handful of episodes this summer. And this is going to be a ton of fun, Jason, because we're visiting a classic leadership book and kind of looking at it in a fresh way in light of not only the experience of this last year, but where do we go from here and how do we bring back some of those key habits and disciplines as leaders that maybe went missing during the pandemic and it was just funny. I was talking to our, our preschool director here, Allie Colnane, who's been a guest on the podcast in the past, and she's just a leader type. She loves leadership. And we were talking and we both, we discovered that we were both reading Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, at the same time without ever having talked about it. It was just like leaders were drawn back towards some of the, some of the classic thinking or some of the key books or, or things that really impacted us and helped us in our leadership. And we're kind of reaching back for some of those lessons, some of those points so that we, you know, it's almost like we intuitively know that we need to get back on track. So uh, here's kind of what we're going to do. Jason, feel free to jump in. But we wanted to camp out on a classic for a little bit this summer. And so we're going to be reading through uh, Good to Great and just talking about some of the themes in that book and understanding how they impact our leadership and our our organizations, churches, and maybe if you're in the business world, this will relate to you well too, or another nonprofit. 
Uh, and um, we really love for you to read along with us and just have those conversations. So Jason, I know you and I've been reading and we're excited to jump into this, but any thoughts you want to add to that? No, I just, I think it's a great opportunity just to do a little something different. It's sort of like a podcast book club, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, right. Just for a few, just for a few weeks anyway, um, might be a nice little summer change of pace, but I think even more importantly, engaging with the material, I think will help us mentally prepare. Yeah. And and I know some people balk at the businessy stuff um, or, or leadership stuff, but it, it's really, it's just about navigating organizational change and people. Right. And I mean, it's like yeah. wherever there's people, there's a organizational reality of the church. That's and I right. think this stuff can really help. It's stuff that we didn't necessarily get in seminary for those of us that are pastors and yeah. the kind of the core leadership stuff. And what I love about Jim Collins book, Good to Great, is he wrote his first book. It was all about business and it was oriented towards businesses that had moved from sort of good to just really exceptional. And then he noticed in his seminars and conferences, when he would go to speak on, on his book, that about half the audience were from the social sector, what he calls the social sector. So nonprofits and churches. And he's like, what are you doing here? And they're like, the lessons that we're learning in your book, they're so valuable for us in our, in our organizations. And so he wrote a little addendum to good to great, which we'll commend to you as well. Um, and uh, it, basically it starts with this idea that business thinking is not the answer. And what he's talking about in the book are really the habits of a disciplined leader and organization that makes an impact over time. And he'll actually make the case in his little addendum that um, our mission should drive us toward a more disciplined organization than just if we're motivated by profit. So the fact that we're after something like a mission that matters and we're passionate about should make us want to implement these sorts of behaviors even more. So I'm looking forward to diving in. You can tell I kind of geek out on this. Yeah, no, it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. And uh, you had mentioned Allie. Allie was such a great guest. I I don't remember off the top of my head the episode number, but she was fairly early on. And um, what was her company, Mrs. Pickles? Is that right? Yeah, Mrs. Pickles, and Mrs. she, Pickles. Uh, yeah, she was an entrepreneur. She ended she up was on, on Shark Tank, Tank right? Yeah, and it was really cool. And so, Allie's been a great teammate here yeah. at Marine View, and I'm hoping that I can talk her into coming on for yeah, one of the episodes. Yeah, we should see if she'll come back on with Good to Great, and she can help us think about some of these things. But basically, we're going to get into our conversation today. But if you want to uh, go find that book on your shelf, I'm sure a lot of you have it. If uh, you don't, go ahead and you know pick it up on Amazon. It's just you know it's not an expensive book, and if you can, uh, you can actually look for that addendum. Uh, it's called Good to Great and the Social Sectors. And so it's just a short, it's maybe 50 pages, a little addendum to his book that speaks more specifically to the nonprofit and church world. So um, we're going to be looking through the themes. It looks like probably our first episode, we'll tackle the first two chapters and we'll just kind of see where it goes. We'll kind of follow Dan Ryland's uh, advice. We'll pick a book and ask two questions and kind of wrestle with some of the themes there. Yeah. And, uh, and if you like how that goes, you know, maybe, maybe that's something that we could do again, but we're just going to try it out and see, and maybe we'll get some good conversation around it. Yeah. Well, let's Jesse, let's get into today's topic, which may be sort of like a preamble to all of this. And that is just some observations. There are five observations. There's probably more than that, but five that I can kind of think of off the top of my head about summer 2021 so far, as we've discussed uh, you know, here at Tower Hill, our staff, although that we're in the middle of VBS right now, just started. Wow. And, but after that, everyone's been asked to really dial it down and, and think, you know, use this time to observe, to plan and to rest. And so some of the observations I've had over the last couple of weeks 
I, I already filling my notebooks with things that I think have big ministry impl- implications. Totally, yeah. So, so let's get started. And I wonder, pastors out there, if you're noticing some of these same things. I always love hearing from people because then it feels like, oh my gosh, you know, I think this is actually a trend. It's not just my area. It's what seems to be going on uh, with folks all over the country. So here's the first observation that I've seen in my church, and that is community isn't just an important thing. It's the only thing right now. Wow. It, it really feels like across every ministry area, all the social circles, all the groups, people want to hang together and not necessarily in structured group time, but in unstructured hangout time that feels really authentic. So we had, for example, our last, uh, we've talked about our man cave group that we've had for a long time. And I don't know if that, we might have to change the name or we're going to get canceled. But uh, the, uh, the men's group, let's say that we've had over the last few years, we we had we started gathering again in person a couple of months ago, maybe once or twice a month, and we've been largely doing outdoor gatherings at people's homes. And this last one we just did, guys came and they stayed well past ten o'clock. And most of these guys get up early for work, well past ten o'clock. We had to shut it down, and guys were still hanging out and kind of were reluctant to leave. I mean, it's happening everywhere. Dinner invites for the Tucker family have skyrocketed. People want to hang out again, not really in structured time, but in kind of unstructured, um, just community time. And we're, we're absolutely seeing this everywhere. It's like everybody, at least in our area, just kind of decided, all right, it's time. Yeah. It's time. So who are we going to call to reconnect with? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's some key things that we can do. And we're going to talk a little bit about, so what does that mean? organizationally or, you know, strategically or something, but we've been noticing the same thing. I mean, everybody's kind of on their own timelines. The Northwest has kind of been um, a little slower to the reopening process. Um, But what we notice is after the service, people are there lingering in conversations for, uh, you know, not just five minutes or 10 minutes, but for an, an additional hour after the service sometimes. And so I'm like, we spent more time hanging out after the service than we did in the worship service itself in some cases. And which is great. That's a fantastic thing, but it's again, observing going, what does that mean? And it might mean that we just need to think about creating some casual, no agenda spaces for people to hang out and reconnect and, or just say, Hey, invite someone over for dinner, hang out on the deck and, and, you know, grill some burgers, you know, like, but people, I think, are, are naturally doing some of those. And then if we can encourage that or kind of help facilitate some of that, I think that's really good. Um, and then looking for opportunities to be um, a, a support to our greater community outside of the church in their desire to do some of those things. So a couple of weeks back, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the a podcast or not, but we had um, our eighth local eighth graders were unable to do a school graduation related to the school district and some other issues. And so they were calling around to see if they could do an outdoor one somewhere. And of course um, we have some families in the church who have eighth grade uh, graders that are going into their freshman year. And so they reached out to the church and said, can we do like a parking lot eighth grade celebration? We just, we think there's some families that'll want to get together. And we were like, well, of course, how can we help? So we ended up doing popcorn and ice cream and bouncy houses. And we did the church thing where we go way above and beyond because we love our community. And out of the 218 eighth graders, 
like 168 of them showed up. Wow. We were thinking like maybe 40 or 50, right? And their families. But we had just a whole mass of people show up because of that hunger for connection and relationship. And people hung out and they were they stayed for two plus hours just hanging out, talking, catching up. Some of the teachers came, said goodbye to their students. Um, anyway, it was a really fantastic event. But it demonstrated, again, just the desire for people to come and be together. And so people are just lingering, talking, hanging out, catching up on life. And I think so, you know, what are the implications? I think actually for those pastors, if you have a smaller church, you're teed up for this. You're, you're, in, you're so good at this anyway. Yeah. Just the informal hangout, church picnics, whatever it looks like. Like this is this is your jam right here. Mm-hmm. Now's the time for you to do what what you're really good at, and that's the fellowship stuff, gathering, hanging out, cooking burgers, whatever. It doesn't have to be a structured study or a book yeah. or anything like that. In it's fact, that might get, get in the together. way a little bit right yeah, now. Absolutely. Right? Like, dude, there's a absolutely. time for that, and we will need that. Uh, and it may be that this un- sort of unstructured time is meeting a spiritual need right now for people. And if, you know, if I'm just Joe citizen out there and somebody says, come hang out, you know, we're going to be hanging out, uh, you know, at this park, or we're going to go and have some ice cream sandwiches at the church or whatever, like, and there's no agenda attached to that. Again, going back to the, how do we invite people into the life of the church? Well, that's, that's as low threat as it gets. And I know, I mean, we just see it there. The people in our surrounding community that are not really don't have God on their radar, or they don't even know that they're missing church on a Sunday. Cause they're like, Oh, people still do that. Like, um, this is an opportunity for us to connect with that need for community in their life too. So if you are in that, maybe that smaller congregation or a smaller town setting, I mean, this is like the time to shine with just that relational connectedness and doing some fun things together as, as the summer unfolds. And I think, you know, my takeaway is just think hangouts and not programs. Don't worry about doing yep. a program. Just, yep. you know, what, what does this look like just to generate some real informal, don't overdo it. Don't crazy plan it to death. Yep. Just, you know, just get together with some people and yeah, be intentional I, about it. And I think the pressure's off a little bit because yep. as we've noticed in all kinds of other areas, the production value doesn't need to be what we thought it needed to be before. Maybe it didn't need to be that before. I don't know. But now it's just it can be casual, laid back. You don't have to have this, you know, perfectly um, orchestrated event. It just getting people together and letting yeah. it be. And that, and that's, uh, that, I think that's been a good adjustment for a lot of us is just, yeah. it's okay. Be, be yourself. It'll be good. Yeah. hundred percent. So, um, so that's one observation. And so maybe this, again, hopefully this will help spark some ideas for you and your ministry setting. Uh, the second is, one another observation is people are still making big moves in their lives. Yeah. And you know, a lot of us we saw in our communities and the people that we know during the pandemic, the people were making some kind of radical changes. They were we had a lot of people move like big moves, like cross yeah. the country kind of moves, yep. right? Yep. It's not just neighboring town moves. Yeah, yeah. Big job changes and an ob- what I'm observing so far is that's still happening. Yeah. You know, as we have a lot of folks in our church work in New York City, many in the financial uh, industry, and they're being called back into the city. And some of them are saying, you know what? After being home, after having time with my family, I, I don't think I want to do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And they're making big decisions. So uh, I don't know. Is, are you noticing that too? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Just- yeah. We yeah. were just, you know, it's easy to start 
noticing people that go missing a little bit, you're like, whoa, where did everybody go? But, you know, there's been some uh, of our folks who, yeah, just looking at their lives and going, where are we going? It tends to be, this is what we've observed, that if people have middle school or high school age um, students, they're probably not making gigantic moves because they don't want to be too disruptive with their with their kids' lives. But for elementary age and younger, and then the retirement years, it's like anything's on the table. So we've yeah. had folks moving across the country. We've had mo- folks moving further out from the city. We're kind of uh, in between Seattle and Tacoma, so we're sort of a suburb, but we don't. We I don't know. We we're kind of a unique spot, but it, it's a pretty densely populated area. So people are wanting more space. Uh, we we love being outside. We want more room for our kids to run and play and. Um, there's all kinds of reasons. I think there's some unsettledness that people are feeling and it kind of gave people one permission to take some big steps in life, but maybe even unsettled folks to the point where they felt like they needed to make a big move or they needed to do something to respond to that sense of being unsettled. And, um, yeah, I don't think we're done seeing the coming and going yet. And um, as much as I lament some of those key people going, because those are some of our key families, key volunteers, people that have shared life and ministry with us. So how do we celebrate and sort of bless them as they go instead of stomping our feet and and pouting about it? At least do that behind closed doors and not to their (laughs) face, right? Because you have shared a lot of good life with, with folks, at least we have. And I want them to know that we love them even as they're going. And I'm gonna, man, but I'm gonna miss them, you know? Well, it's it's interesting too. So this has all sorts of ministry implications, right? Um, yeah. Not the least of which is no wonder we're all experiencing kind of a volunteer shortfall. And that's because if people are feeling unsettled, they're not going to want to commit to volunteering. Yep. And I, and I think whether they're making a big change or not, I think people still aren't quite sure what life's going to look like on the other side of summer. Yeah. So they're sort of just kind of being a bit more hands off or like yeah. just and people are evaluating their life, even if they're staying, they're yeah. evaluating. Do I still want to do that? Do I still want to get up early every Sunday and come and help make coffee or help in the nursery or uh, greet and usher? And, and you know, so it, it makes perfect sense. So we need to figure out how do we adapt and how do we create permission around that, but also help people understand some of the urgency of, of filling those key roles that help make our ministry go um, related to the mission that we're all trying to accomplish together. So I think there's a, there's some, I've been feeling a need to, to put our vision and our mission out in front of us a little bit more to remind us one with so much fun to be together. Isn't that great? But also remember we were trying to accomplish something together as a church family. And, and these are some of the things that we're after and boy, I can't wait to see how we jump back in what they're going to look like now. And, um, because I do think, yeah, everybody's just adjusting, and there's a lot of life change going on, Jason. Yeah, I think another implication of that is that people are searching for who they really are. Um, I think there's some of that self-reflection that's going on. I think there's a real opportunity, too, when it comes to yeah. faith. I mean, there's yep. a real opportunity to kind of go in because people are finding that that a lot of their other philosophies or things that they leaned on to prop them up have kind of crumbled beneath them <laughs> and aren't exactly sure what to do about it. Yeah. 
sort of a collective midlife crisis experience across the generations <laughs> all at of, the same right? time. Kind right? of. We're feels- all going to go buy a sports car, Jason. Let's go do it. <laughs> Millennials, Gen Xers, and baby boomers, we're all going to do it together, right? That's right. I mean, it feels that way a yeah. little bit. That- well, and truthfully, I think as leaders, we've experienced some of that unsettledness this year. And what are, is this still what we should be doing? Am I even any good at this? Is this really what God wants me to do with my life? I mean, I think we're all, everybody's asking similar sorts of questions in their own lives, trying to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. And that makes a lot of sense. And I just want, wish I could say, be in that room with people sometimes and say, hey, maybe now is the time just to maintain the steady course until things settle out a little more. And then if you're still ready to make a big change, do it. But who knows? Everybody's living their I, own I remember adventure. hearing like six months ago, the implication of this for pastors that yeah. I think it was Vander Bloemen had talked about this way early saying that yeah. this, we were going to see this next year, some of the biggest turnover in ministry positions ever. Yep. Absolutely. Because of the unsettledness or people who waited to retire because they felt like they couldn't in the middle of the pandemic. And that's right. It's going to be really interesting to see, but a lot of things to think through. Yep. Um, the third one. We uh, we talked about this, I think, on the last episode or a couple of episodes ago, but at Tower Hill in this area, Monmouth County, we legit have a baby boom on our hands. And the, the pandemic baby boom is going to be a thing. I mean, yep. it's everywhere. And, and even if you in your church, wherever you are, if you don't have a lot of young families, you don't have a lot of babies, I promise they're in the community. And so you need to be thinking about the implications of that. I was reading an article in our one of our local papers, the Asbury Park Press, uh, called Pandemic Babies' Parents Have Fears. Mm-hmm. And it was just talking about the reality of many of these parents in the pandemic who had babies were very careful. They didn't go out and see people. They didn't socialize their babies. And now they're afraid that their babies, are, that their kids are behind already. And they don't know how to begin socializing them. And it's a thing. It's actually like a real fear and concern that they have. And I just thought that was really interesting in the midst of all of this and all these babies being born. Like, what does that mean? What are the implications of that? How can the church come alongside? I mean, if there is ever an organization that's teed up to help, you know, create socialization of young families. I mean, this is it. This is it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think too, if, um, you know, just creating space for young families to come together and get their, their infants together to hang out, you know, if that is helps them feel like they're, they're uh, meeting that need or whatever. I mean, I think it's a good thing. I noticed on our, uh, was it nextdoor.com or one of those things when our, in our community, uh, I just kind of watch, I never, I never really participate in the conversation, but kind of listen to what's going on. And, um, there was all sorts of, um, these let's get together in a park with our kids. And there was one, it was like, you know, vaccinated parents and kids, you know, I, it was like, you know, there's these different pockets that people are trying to create. How do we create a safe space for us to get together with other people? So we can do some of that. And I think the church is a great environment where we have known and trusted leaders that can help facilitate that kind of stuff. And um, so big opportunity, I think. And you were saying related to that, that um, not only is there a need for, kind of getting together relationally, but that you've noticed some other, just the request for things like infant baptism or uh, yeah, engagement I mean, in life in the church. It's been like ways. the DMV here with the baptisms. It's like, <laughs> it's, there's a backlog and yeah, uh, yeah. it's, we've been doing, we did more, I don't know what the number is. We did a insanely high number of baptisms this year. 
because people are, they feel like, um, no, we need to get the baby baptized. Like we need to, even if they're marginally connected with the church. We're, yeah. So what did you get? What steps do you guys take to, is that people reaching out to you or do you say, Hey, and if you're looking to get your child baptized, let us know when these dates no, are the dates where yeah, it's all them reaching out to us. Okay. Okay. Now yeah, we're in a heavily know, Catholic yeah. area. So there is that sense of yeah. ritual yeah. That, that people have. And if they don't feel a particular connection with the Catholic church anymore, we're one of the places they go. Yeah. Look. And so they're those folks that come from more of a traditional background or a ritual background are going to be the ones asking proactively about that. And we were noticing yeah. here, the Northwest is pretty much the direct opposite of that. I mean, ritual, what we, you know, no, yeah. that's not how we roll. So um, we actually have to kind of proactively say, Hey, if this is something that you've ever thought about or would like to consider, you know, come talk to us. So, you know, depending on your situation, but believe me that it's out there. People are wondering about that and thinking about um, what does that mean for their kids? And I know that things have changed. However, when people have a family and they have kids, it is still an entry point opportunity back either back into the life of the church or into the life of the church for the first time. I know it's not the same as it used to be where that was just sort of the natural, we could count on that. You get to 28, you start a family, they're back at church. That's not as true as it once was, but I think it's still a factor that uh, is real, that we're going to see, we have an opportunity to connect with people in that, that big life transition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, just the implication of like, what if they all came on the same Sunday, we need more space in the nursery. I mean, we just, yeah. oh man. And, and more volunteers. In our nursery, and, right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, but uh, all good. So here's another thing. This came from a, a little research project I assigned myself uh, today. And that was, I was really curious to see what, what are the numbers saying if I compared them, like attendance numbers and trends and online versus traditional, contemporary, overall, like what do they say? Are they saying anything? Yeah. And so I kind of started looking at the data, uh, 2018, 19, 20, 21, right? So far. And looking at kind of where we're at. Interestingly, a few things popped out to me. One is, you know, 2020 aside, our trends look a lot the same, um, which is interesting that hmm. that as we pulled out of the tail end of the pandemic, the bar graph looks a lot like 2019 and 2018, which I guess is good news, but it's a little bit surprising that it wasn't a totally different looking thing. Hmm. Then, but the other thing that I noticed was, so in May and June, has been the lowest online engagement of worship since the pandemic began. And, yeah. and it's actually not really close. Yeah. It, it, it dropped off a cliff the last two months. And, you know, right, wrong, good, bad, I don't know. I just know that it's noticeable. And what does that mean? What are the implications, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, there's sometimes the most obvious explanation is the right one, right? People are coming back in person, it, maybe not every single Sunday, but they're back in person. So they're going, Hey, I'm back to my old habit. Yep. I come in person once or twice a month, maybe three times a month, if, you know, for the pro level Christians, they're there every week. Um, but uh, they're not going online to catch back up with the message series or to fill in the gaps, maybe the way that they would have during the pandemic. And I think our audience is just smaller when more of our folks are in person. So that might be the most obvious explanation. And I think if you go a little bit deeper into it, you know, I, at some point, uh, I think people kind of tune out and lose the habit of tuning in. And so 
who are those people who are not coming in person and have, have kind of tuned out online? I don't know how we even identify those folks, but I know that they are there. And some of those folks were in our world have been our younger families. They're not back in person yet for a variety of reasons. And they're no longer engaging online. And so what do we do? How do we reconnect with them when the habit has just changed so dramatically uh, in the last 15, 16 months? That's the burning question, right? And yeah. we have a lot in that category. I had somebody come up to church, uh, come up to me after church on Sunday and was like, uh, yeah, you know, I, um, my sister comes here and, you know, she had started coming a bit before the pandemic and she hasn't really been engaging over this last year and just want to let you know. So if you guys have a chance to reach out, yes, you know, it'd be a good yeah. opportunity. I mean, there's so many like that and that just happened yeah. to be one that somebody yeah. drew attention to. Yeah. We were talking about um, maybe asking either our deacons or maybe even as a staff team doing kind of like a church wide reach out initiative. I don't even know what it would be exactly if it was, if it's cards or phone calls or what, just to say, Hey, here's what's going on this summer. We're so excited. Anyway, hope you're doing well. It's not the we noticed that you're not coming anymore. Would you please come back? But kind of collectively reaching to the whole community, even to those that maybe had some marginal engagement before or those that were connected, but just kind of this universal um, declaration of we're reopening, we're excited and we'd love to see you. We miss you. Um, you know, all that kind of thing. And I don't know. So we're trying to figure out what is, what are strategically, how can we in a genuine, not weird way, reach out to people that have kind of lost connection for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Uh, You know, so all the fatigue aside, uh, another thing that I observed is that engagement is still possible. It seems to take a lot more to make it happen, but I think Hmm. people for the right opportunity will take the time. So case in point, we, so over the last year, we, we purchased a zoom performance of somebody, uh, and it's, uh, are you familiar with Justin Willman? He's a magician. He's on uh, Netflix, Magic for Humans. <laughs> I missed that one, Jason. I'll have so to go check it out. <laughs> it, he's, he's hilarious. He's great. Awesome. He's this young guy. He, d- he you know, does magic. He's, he's really engaging. And he just two days ago or three days ago did a fundraiser for Alzheimer's and he had Jim Gaffigan on and oh, okay. uh, Sarah Bareilles and Jason Mraz and like some other, it, w- it was a thing. Well, basically on these Zoom meetings, he's like doing a live magic show through Zoom and he's engaging people in the yeah. Zoom audience. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, making the trick happen with people online. And it is so stinking engaging. So we paid 40 bucks. We sat there with, you know, with the camera on Zoom and, you know, they'll scroll through and show families waving and kids dancing and all that. And he'll spotlight a few people and he'll do like a trick with them or engage with them in some way. Uh, his camera that he uses is really good. Like it's, it's just, and everything's like, well lit. It's just, it's like the best zoom camera I think I've ever seen. Oh, that's cool. And there's it's not complicated, but there's just enough, right? There's a couple of camera angles and he does all the manual switching. It looks like from where he's sitting, Hmm. it's so engaging. And I'm thinking I wouldn't tune in like I'm running from Zoom meetings usually at this point. Um, but this one, I'd be happy to engage in another one as soon as he offers it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah. So finding the right tone of like, how do you engage in a meaningful way? I think passive Zoom meeting stuff, people are out. If you're just watching something and not engaging, done. Um, You know, the few things that have worked well on our end is when we've done like a, we we were doing some fundraising for some projects around the church for, um, uh, we're getting, coming up on a hundred years. I know Jason, we're not close to Tower Hills tenure, but you know, a hundred years is a big deal for us. And people would come and because the Q and A meant that they were going to participate and engage. And I think almost more than wanting information, they just wanted to connect again, coming back to that community thing. How do we create community around this online stuff more than just content? I mean, we keep saying that if it's just content, they can get anywhere and that's where they're going to lean back. But um, we need to have the content out there, our services and our messages and things, but are there other online strategies to engage with people? And what would they be? Yeah. So you tell us and then we'll do a, yeah. right. Yeah. We <laughs> we'll make an episode out of it. You, you right. let us know. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, the name of the game is engagement. And yeah. if we could at least just think about what we're doing online through the lens of engagement, I think it might help us. And I'm convinced that whatever we're going to be offering online in the fall is a different animal than what we're doing in person. It's not just sticking a camera in the back of the room and yeah. and recording the content. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent convinced that that's not the right. I think if that is your, it can't be the only thing if that's, you know, what you're doing, maybe it's adding something that's more direct communication during the week, like a, a Bible study or a devotional thing or something. But if you just have the static camera in the back with your worship service, you can't, it can't help but feel like a, you're sort of a passive observer of somebody else's engagement. And so how do you do it? I don't know. It's, 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 uh, I think that's where a lot of creativity and some innovation can happen around that. Yeah. All right. And then number five was, it was actually closely related to number two about people making change in their life. And that is there are tons of new people in our community, tons. So again, we live outside New York city we have so many people. The real estate market's crazy through the roof, just like it is in many areas yep, of the country. Yep, same for us. A lot of people moved out of the city and it feels like they all moved here. And a lot of people don't know each other. They don't know that our church exists. They don't know. They're still getting connected. They're learning the community. And yep. I mean, what an opportunity that to get to know newcomers. I think a ministry implication is that we need to reintroduce Tower Hill to the community because not every, we can't assume everybody knows who we are. Yep, exactly. And how do you do that? What is the marketing campaign, you know, door hangers? Well, I don't know about that, but like, how are you going to do it? One is of course, we want our people to be the primary communicators with their new neighbors about come check out Marine View. But that means you got to have people who are willing to reach out and introduce themselves and then what is just from a basic marketing strategy in your community, what is a natural, authentic way to, to let people know that you're there and no agenda, but if you want to come be a part of what we're doing, we'd love to have you. Like, you know, you got to set that right tone of communication. And if it feels salesy, if it's too pressury, I think that's going to be, you know, probably something people won't respond to as well. And so how do you do that more of authentic? We're here. We're ready when you're ready. If you want to come be a part of what we're doing, come on. You know what we've been thinking about? There's a local coffee company here uh, in the next town over, and they allow companies or they've allowed politicians to do it, to purchase coffee for people. And mm-hmm. then they slap a sticker on it saying, you know, your coffee was gifted to you by yep. so-and-so. Yep. We were thinking about doing that with the church. It's just so, it's just super low 
key, yeah. low risk, but giving people a free coffee. Hey, this is a courtesy of Tower Hill Church. Yeah, welcome to the neighborhood. You know? Welcome yeah. to the neighborhood, right? Yeah. So I think that's like a great that. way to do it. Yeah, we were talking about that related to, you know, there's those welcome wagon mailers that people get. Uh, when they move into the community and you can, you can pay to have something in those, of course, uh, if you want, or there's, you know, outreach.com, others like that can help you with some mailers and just basic information. I don't think that it's, it's a bad thing to send out, Hey, this we're here in this neighborhood. If, you know, kind of hit that tone, but to do something that just says, welcome to the community, it just introduces yourself to them and then they can decide what to do with it from there. And hopefully they have some good engagement. Um, or at least you you connect with a few folks. And then when they hear, hey, Tower Hill, you know, their youth does this or that or their mission thing or their whatever, they go, oh yeah, I, that's right. I heard about that church. Maybe we should, maybe we should connect with them. Or, you know, it can lead to something down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope this has helped you, uh, you know, as you're thinking about things and I, we'd love to hear, what are you observing out there? Are there, what are some trends that you're seeing that you think, uh, maybe folks should be paying attention to you. Just drop us a line, Jason or Jesse at reclaimleader.com. You can uh, certainly do it that way. That's one way to engage with us. And I hope you'll join us over the next few weeks as we yeah. start thinking through the Good to Great book. I'm really excited about that, Jesse. Yeah, um, I think it's so, going to be a ton of fun, Jason. You know, we're diving in. I mean, this is stuff, if you're a leader type, you get all jazzed up about. And I would just say this, if you kind of go good to great, you know, why don't you pick something else or whatever? Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe we will down the road, but we're starting here because there's just some things I noticed you and I in our conversations as things were opening up, referring to some ideas that actually come out of good to great. One had to do with momentum, the flywheel, the flywheel, yeah. thousand pushes in the same direction. That was, that comes from the good to great stuff. And then we were talking about, remember it was uh, who, not what, or what the other concept does that we were talking about, but there's just some really good stuff. Confront the brutal facts. Think about who you need on your team, not what you're going to do. I'm just some of those basic leadership principles that we all, you know, hopefully have in our arsenal. A lot of those came out of this book and it's about a disciplined approach to uh, your organization, your church and and, um, thinking about that way. So anyway, I can't wait. You can tell I'm a little little, little fiery about this stuff. We're looking forward to it. Stay cool there, Jesse. If anybody has air conditioners to donate to Jesse Skiffington, I think. Hey, uh, listen. We are doing well. I we I'm happy to say that we're part of that 25 percent that have AC in our home. So um, I'm 25%. here at the church office. Can you imagine? 25%? I think it's 25, 30 percent, something I mean, like that. It's just not very many. I grew up here in the Northwest, and we didn't have air conditioning in our car. It was just a fan that turned wow. on, uh, and it wasn't part of the deal. You just if it was hot, you waited a couple hours, and then it was cool because the nights are cool here. But anyway. So it's, like it's a time hot, machine. Hot, hot. Yeah, it's crazy. So we're all surviving. I we got at home. We um I went all out on a slip and slide because why would you get a pool in the northwest for six months of the year? You, you know, can't use it or whatever. But this mega slip and slide uh from Costco, it's like five, six feet across and it has big blow-up pontoons on the side for bumpers. That's and so good. Anyway, it's tons of fun. So we're having we're enjoying the heat, gotta beat the heat and uh hope that everybody's doing well out there as summer rolls along. Think about these observations. What are you noticing? Maybe you're noticing a bunch of stuff that Jason and I didn't even mention. Uh, But I think as leaders, it's our job to look and notice and observe. And then think about what that means. Talk with your team or your leadership uh, folks about that. And uh, it doesn't take every, you don't need to do everything. Maybe just pick one or two ideas and go to work on them, see where it leads. 
Well, thanks everyone for listening in. Ministry is hard. It is so much better when we do it together. Take care. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey.